Welcome back to another episode of Making a Martini. I am your host, Caleb Biggles. Um, and this is, I don't know, the third or fourth episode. I should know, but I've been recording these out of order of how I'm actually going to release them. Um, but this is, you know, the third or fourth episode of the final season. So we've made it. I'm fucking done. I can't deal with you people anymore. I'm just kidding. I love you all. Um, but to being that we're going with the theme of bringing uh, previous guests back, we are bringing back a member of season four. Rob, is that right? Was that season four? That was last year. Two years ago? Yeah, last year. Last no, year? last year. Yeah. Yeah, because it was Kinky <clears throat> Boots. It wasn't Rock of Ages that we talked. Correct. Yeah, yeah, Right. Okay. <laughs> I should know, but I don't. Um, but we're bringing back uh, Rob from season four, where we talked about starting your own theater company and uh, their production of Kinky Boots um, and things like that. So well, welcome back, Rob. Nice of you to be here. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> no, well, I'm glad I made the list you to did. make a final appearance. You did. It was great. I think season. there were um, 37. I think I've had 37 different guests because there's been a lot of repeat people. Yeah. Um, but it was also the biggest challenge was going through and finding everyone's emails because I don't. Yours was one of the harder ones to find because all I've ever had from you was split stage at mm-hmm. or like info at split stage or whatever the email is. It's my um, way of insulating myself from people like you. <laughs> but somehow I did have it. <laughs> somehow I found it. I don't know how I did, but apparently at one point or another, we've emailed each other personally. Yeah. It's, a, it's a strong friendship. Um, but we also have two newcomers for this episode. We have Claire and Anthony. Hello. Thank you very much for joining the Making a Martini family. You beautiful Hello. sons of bitches. I love you so much. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, hey. Um, I'm honored to be here. Yeah. So Claire and I go back to 2000, what, 22? I don't know. Right? Time, Something like that. We did. I don't know. We were, we were lovers yes. in Rock of Ages. Yes. We've gone from lovers to enemies. Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. You know, right? <laughs> we, did, <laughs> we did find out that we finally have an interaction in this show. One. Yes, it's very brief, but yes. it's there. And it's Anthony, there. I met an eerie in like, I don't know when. 94. Not in the summer of 94. I'm kidding. No, that is a complete joke. <laughs> I was completely shocked because, like, I'm that old where I could, like, have met someone at that time. And see it like, and be like, no yeah. way. Yeah. Not, I'm not now, very good at math, though. Anthony, I met through a mutual friend, Adele, who is a, a fan favorite of this podcast. She's been on, I don't know how many episodes, too many probably. She's my go to when I'm like, hey, I need someone to talk to with me about this. And she's like, great. Um, but I think I met you when you were doing Les Mis, I think, unless it was earlier than that. No, that sounds about right. Probably when Adele did it. Yeah. The second time we did Les Mis. And that and was like 20. Yeah. When that was like 2015 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we go, we go way that back. Right. Yeah. Um, so welcome the two of you. And today we are talking about Ain, Ain, Ann, put the martini down, an upcoming production that we are all involved in in more ways than one, probably. Um, You're in town, the musical. And that is correct, folks. You read it in the episode title. It is U R I N E, urine, pee, piss, piss town. It's yep. piss town. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, which is opening February second. Second, yes, at the Lamp Theater in Irwin. And all this will be in the episode notes and we'll plug it again before the show ends. But the Lamp Theater in Irwin, February 2nd and 3rd, and the weekend after that, which the 8th, 9th, 10th, Thursday yep. through Saturday. 
I'll probably be there. I, I, just <laughs> I, say, I don't, I don't know the dates, yeah. but yeah. oh God. But yeah. Um, and we'll get into all the, the the specifics later, but for what, what we wanted to talk about essentially was, um, one split stage, which we have talked about on the previous episode with Rob, who is, um, or the company split stage productions, which is hitting their 10 year anniversary this year, or have we hit it already? Yeah. So we, we kind of already hit it. So what happened was when this company was started, uh, Nate Newell and I, we just did one show and it was actually in the fall of 20, uh, excuse me, of 13. So this past fall was 10 years from the first production that we ever did. But that mm-hmm. show was like a, it was a standalone show. Um, and then we kind of sat there for a little while and said, all right, well, what do we do? Do we just do another one and do another one? Um, and then we collectively made the decision to say, look, I think if we want to be taken seriously or try to be taken seriously, we need to come out with a season. So let's pick three shows and let's put them all out at one time. So people are like, Oh, wow, these guys are actually here to stay or so it seems. So our first official season started in June of 2014 with Avenue Q. So we were June of 2014 with Avenue Q. We were, I think it was, it was, maybe it was November. I think it was November of 14 with Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And then we were February and like kind of the same time slot that we're in for year and time, end of January, early February with hair um, of 15. So we're kind of up against, you know, we've just passed 10 years, but we, during the pandemic, we took the pandemic completely off. Yeah. So we're not at 10 seasons, um, you know, so like we 10. didn't necessarily celebrate it or anything. And we're not necessarily kind of about that. That uh, Nate and I were just like, oh yeah, oh that happened. Okay, cool. And we realized all this stuff like after the fact. Someone's yeah. like, can you believe you just did thirty-five productions? And we're like, really? Oh, okay, great. <laughs> we don't we don't pay attention. So, um, <clears throat> so ten years kind of it popped up, and we were like, oh, we we probably could have done something there that might have been cool, but yeah, whatever. So now we're just gonna hold out for you know tenth anniversary season and figure something out to do there. Yeah. Um, so, sort of looking back over those 10 years what sort of um comes to mind when you think okay here's where you started and now look here we're here here's where you are yeah um it's a grind it's a grind trying to build something and from the from nothing and especially in this world i feel like i feel like split stage has a good name like within the theater community i feel like people know who we are um, and maybe not just like within Westmoreland County. I think within Westmoreland County, people know who we are. Yeah. I think in the greater Pittsburgh theater scene, I think now people are aware of kind of who we are, what we do and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's still like seemingly like difficult to get a big audience following no matter what we're doing. And yeah. the, the, the kind of thought behind starting this whole thing was that Nate and I, he was actually directing a show, uh, the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged, which is slapsticky, hilarious kind of thing that I was in um, with two other guys. He directed it and we did it at Apple Hill Playhouse in Delmont. Um, and it was incredible. And it was so funny and no one came to see it. Like it was like eight people every night in the audience. And this is when Apple Hill used to run their shows for three weeks. And it was just like, uh, I feel like after all of those performances, maybe a hundred people saw the show. 
but it was really yeah. good. It was really funny. It was like, you know what? Imagine if we could build a brand that no matter what we did, people would come. Yeah. No matter what it is, they, they they've never heard of it before, but they're like, you know what? It's those, it's that, it's that company, it's those guys. So that's kind of what our goal has been. And throughout the course of the past 10 years, we've done a lot of shows that people are coming to see because of the name. So we, when choosing a season, we were mm-hmm. conscious of, well, we still have to sell tickets. So, you know, shows like Kinky Boots and Rock of Ages and, you know, Titanic and some of these bigger shows have definitely drawn audiences. Um, and I think some people are, you know, are coming back just because they're like, well, I saw this and I saw that or whatever. Um, but still, I feel like it's it's tough. And this one's going to be a real litmus test, too, because you're in town. It's like, great, we're all theater people. And the whole theater community knows this show. They yep. know when it's done right, it's hilarious. And it's just a fun, kind of mindless way of going to enjoy two and a half hours in the theater. Um, but for the non-theater, you know, educated crowd who doesn't know shows other than, you know, Les Mis or, you know, some of those other ones, it's like, they're like, huh, I don't know that one. I'm not going to go see it. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, we get people who are like, well, you know what? I saw Kinky Boots. I saw Rock of Ages. And and the other thing, too, is that being in the lamp almost exclusively for the past, like, five, six years, um, I think people are realizing that, okay, we know what shows they do. Um, so hopefully they're going to be like, well, it's still split. They've never heard of it, but, you know, whatever. So I'm going to go anyway. We'll see what right. happens. We'll see what happens. I'm going to be there. <laughs> Hopefully you guys are there too. <laughs> I might. I could pop in. Potentially you in. Yeah. 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 It could be nice. But it, I mean, it, it's been tough. It's been tough, but it's been a blast. I mean, we've met a tremendous amount of people and have developed a, a tremendous friendships and working relationships with people in the community for, you know, over the course of the past 10 years. And, um, you know, I will say that during COVID, Nate and I had many conversations on whether or not we come out of this just as mm-hmm. a choice. Like, do we even still want to do this anymore? Um, you know, and I think it, it was kind of brought to our attention that it's, we do provide a unique performing opportunity, especially in this area um, that some of the other organizations in this area don't necessarily provide. And so it's not necessarily about us doing it for us anymore. It's we want to provide opportunities for people to get really good experience and, you know, be a part of, you know, a, a really solid production um, mm-hmm. that they can feel really confident about and, you know, get a t-shirt at the end of it. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Well, and I, I will say, and, and Claire, you can probably speak to this and Anthony, you can even probably speak to this too. I know this is your first production with split stage, right? First production mm-hmm. in eight years. Yeah. Okay, eight go for it. Off. Shall Came we back. go for it? It, was, it um, almost times out when Anthony was like, you know what? I'm going to hang it up. And we're like, we're going to start a company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is that that's kind of how Split Stage was presented to I me. Mean, my first show with Split Stage was uh, Sweeney Todd with Stephen Santa and um, Brittany Tagg, who was... I don't remember what her role was in that show. She, I think she was assistant, like director? assistant director. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah sure. Yeah. Whatever. Um, she presented to me as like, Hey, this is a company that takes sort of larger than life shows, reimagines them and puts them in an environment that you wouldn't normally see it. And I was like, well, that seems like a great time. I'll do that. And that's kind of how I've sort of described when people have asked me about like auditioning and things like that. I'm like, this is kind of like, how they operate. And it's actually really neat because sometimes you get to do shows that you wouldn't typically get to do. Um, I don't know. I think her first show that she did with split stage was Carrie. And that's, that's like never done. 
Um, it might. I, it yeah, could be. I, mean, I could be it, wrong. It about might that, have but. been. I don't know. I actually did. I I met Brittany. I did, uh, or I should say, we did Children of Eden at the Theater Factory, mm-hmm. and that's how I met her. Um, and yeah, I don't know what year is what, but Carrie might have been her first show with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, that was one that it, and that was the other thing too, is that the kind of, uh, I was sitting here the first, I moved out to Pittsburgh in 2007 and I hadn't been doing theater. I hadn't been involved in it much at all. And I was brought out here for a different career altogether. Um, and I kind of shifted gears um, in probably 2011, just professionally. And all of a sudden I had been driving past Apple Hill Playhouse like regularly. And so all of a sudden I saw something online about their season auditions. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go. I haven't performed. I haven't done anything in a long time. Let's just see what happens. But I saw that complete works of Shakespeare bridge was on that schedule. And Mm -hmm. I loved that show. I did a cut of it in high school. um, And it was a ton of fun. And, you know, so I met Nate and we became fast friends. And I was like, look, why don't these companies around here do like, and mind you, this is 2010 or 11. Why don't they do rent? or Avenue Q or hair or assassins or these shows. And he had been on, he went to Seton Hill was on the boards at Apple Hill and GCT and the theater factory. So he knew a lot of what was going on. And he's like, you know, the casting can be challenging. Um, You know, the content, some of these people don't want to try and they don't want to drive their audiences away. So Mm -hmm. they're scared to do some of the stuff. And I was like, okay, well, why don't we just start a company and do it? I was like, you know, the technical aspects of it. I was like, I know performing elements of it, but I also know business and marketing. So let's just, you know, put some money into a bank account. Let's put up a show and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And let's pick a show that people want to do. And especially people who haven't been doing theater in a handful of years. So it's kind of like a prime example with you. It's like we pick a show. That someone's like, you know what? I've always wanted to do that. I haven't done shows in a few years. I'm going to go out and see what happens. And when we did Rent, the amount of people that were in it that hadn't done a show in a handful of years that were like freakishly talented was mind-blowing. And it was like, okay, we're on to something. Let's keep doing shows that the actors want to do. And we'll make sure that we pick the show that is a show that audiences want to see, but they're only going to see if they drive into Pittsburgh. And we all know that this greater Pittsburgh area, people don't love to cross a bridge or mm-hmm. go under a tunnel. So in Westmoreland County, it's like, okay, great. We were primarily at the Garden Civic Center in Greensburg. So it's like, that's a community in and of itself out there. Right. Well, if we put shows on there that are good and people don't have to drive an hour into the city, then maybe we're on to something. Um, yeah. So that was another thing. Is it's picking the shows that people never see, but actors want to do. Yeah. yeah, for me, like, I've been on both sides of things. And like, my first show was next to normal. And like, I had a Google alert that was like, next to normal auditions. And so like, and that was like, one of the first shows I did out of college. And so I just so appreciate the company's like, willingness to take risks with um, subject matter. And then also like the way you present the shows, because like, yeah, it just, it was such a nice environment to come into, and it really gave me a lot of confidence out of college, which was very uh, <laughs> needed. Um, and then also, like, with, you know, we do New Works, the Pittsburgh New Works Festival and things like that, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've been um, fortunate enough to have directed the last two, um, you know, entries, and I just feel so um, free to, like, pick the the subject matter that just speaks to me and you know i just you know it's a very supportive company and also like yeah they're risk takers and i i just appreciate that as like someone that's like on both sides of the 
um, you know, and as an actor and as like a, from a production standpoint. Yeah. It was also very welcoming too. uh, coming in after taking eight years off. It is really scary. And I remember that first vocal rehearsal, I literally went home and I was like, wow, I fucking suck. And I should probably draft nine emails and quit because I'm, everyone's like, it's like riding a bike. I'm like, what kind of bikes do you ride? Cause like my bike is like Dr. Seuss a squeaky, bikes. A squeaky <laughs> flat wheel. And like, then people are like throwing fire batons at me. That's the kind of bike it was for me, but everyone was just so welcoming. And they're like, no, like you've got this, like it'll come back to you. And it's slowly getting there, but just like the, the community like aspect of the company was just so nice. Um, and that's one thing that like kind of brought me in like people like Dixie Sherwood, she was like, Oh, you know what? I'm auditioning for this. You would love it there. They're so welcoming. Like everyone on the team, like you'll just love it. Yeah. And I have so far. So, so far for bringing everyone. me in. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. Uh, yeah. We've still got Tech, week is, Tech week is always interesting. Tech week is yeah. always a grind. Yeah. Um, well, I guess speaking of Tech Week, we are going to Tech Week, what, in two days, one day, whatever today is. I don't know. Yeah. Sunday. We're going into it on Sunday, um, which will probably be the day before this episode comes out. However, um, for You're in Town, the musical, um, and as precedented before, it is urine as in P, uh, town. Um, which let's let's talk about that for a little bit because I think um, any listeners that are paying attention to this will probably have no idea what we're talking about. More than likely, I don't, really don't know who my audience base is. It's like <laughs> women between twenty and forty and gay men. That's my audience. But um, <laughs> here we are. Uh, so let's talk about you're in town. Um, and anyone feel free to chime in. But how would how would how would you guys describe? <laughs> <laughs> Such a loaded question. How would you guys describe you're in town? And you I'm can take that one lot. other than me. Go for it. Oh, I thought you said you're going to take this one. Oh, and then you said other than me. Oh, other like, than me. <laughs> it is a two and a half hour with intermission, I'll say. <laughs> Drama. no it's not no the first act's only an hour and you know like it it tightens up after that so what like all together maybe two hours of just like quick comedy that i feel like a lot of theater is missing um nowadays or it like some of it has to be like in your face where i feel like this show is just very like not that subtle. and subtle and it's a lot of how it's delivered um and it hits on even though it wasn't written today or like in the last year or what it was written in the early 2000s yeah like 2000 um it still hits wow. on a lot of points that we're talking about in today's issues mm-hmm. uh or today's world of like you know rights of people and what is right and wrong and you know like government um and bringing in some of these like funny aspects to it, that comedy to it, I think people will either really love it or they'll mm-hmm. love it even more. <laughs> there is no in between. There is, I mean, there's it's, no it's, in between. Yeah, it's a satire. Like it completely mm-hmm. takes these like major elements 
and then pokes fun at them in the way that like quite literally before we got on this call, I was just sitting in my living room, like sort of going over my notes and I had Veep on, which if you haven't watched Veep, then fuck you. (laughs) But um, it's such a satire on just like politics in general. I was like, this is the comedy of you're in town without the language. I'm like, this is what it is. It's making fun of these sort of larger than life issues that plague everyone, but by making it on a smaller plane, very specific, but like very pointed. Um, and so, I mean, Anthony, you were completely correct in that. Like it's, it's about government, political parties, m- mob mentality definitely falls in there <laughs> for a while, basically the entire second half of the show. Um, g- global climate change, things like that. Like it's all of that sort of wrapped up into one sort of love letter to music theater, which it also satires. And that's yeah. like the, big thing that like always has attracted me to this show is how much of like a joke it is making fun of music theater. Yeah. There are so many references to different like shows. And I feel like that's why like it's difficult to kind of describe this show to hard. like someone else. <laughs> Um, there, I mean, there's like, re- there's references to Les Mis, there's references to three penny opera. I think mm-hmm. like primarily, um, the kind of, you know, you guys were describing the comedy and it's kind of like the Brechtian, um, like, you know, epic theater of it all and yeah. like a parody on, you know, how, how those shows are kind of presented and, you know, Brecht, you know, specifically, uh, didn't like, like Rogers and Hammerstein's type shows where they just like start singing out of nowhere, you know? And so it's kind of like a play on that and kind of poking fun at like shows like that while also bringing in, yeah, these like epic theater elements, um, yeah, there's so many. Yeah, I mean, there's carousel references. I feel mm-hmm. like you could say there's um, there's like references to like Annie. Um, yeah, our specifically know. has some West Side Story references in there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I guess just to sort of give without spoiling anything. And everyone has to check me on this, make sure I don't spoil anything. Um, but just the idea behind the actual show is that um, there is what a global water shortage. Is it global? I think it's global. Yeah, it's. We'll, um, we'll say. It's, yeah, it's essentially the population has overtaken, you know, the natural resources, and yeah. so there's a there's a water shortage and a drought, and you know, it's right. kind of like kind of like mad max like yeah, a little how, how society kind of like builds itself based on yeah. you know and the title literally comes from the only thing they really focus on in this show is the bathroom aspect of what that would look like whereas like you know a global water shortage would affect so many more things but this show is strictly about the bathroom hence the mm-hmm. title um in that there are public restrooms that people have to pay to get into and there's one company that owns and regulates this water usage within this one specific area. And that's, that's the plot of the show. That's how it starts. And you, you literally find that out within the first five minutes of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about you know, the, how the world reacts to that and how the company that owns it reacts to that and, you know, retaliation and et cetera, et cetera. I think that's a good enough way to sum it up without giving too much away. And then there's this that, great but it's character also named all just, But it's also then just filled with like potty jokes. 
So many. Is, and they're all hilarious. It's one of these things where, you know, it's funny because for me, th- the concept of the company is do shows that push the, you know, push boundaries and are risque and everything like that. So the majority of these shows, like I can't bring my children to see. And they want to because growing up around theater, they want to see everything. But I can't bring them to most of the things that I do. Um, but this is one where it's like, you know what? There is not a bad word in the script. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I can't speak for what the actors will actually say on stage, but there's not a bad word written in the script. Um, you know, and there's nothing inappropriate about it. It's a funny story with a little love scene in the middle of it and or love story at the middle of it. And that's it. Um, yeah. But it's just truly, you know, two to two plus hours of enjoyment and entertainment. And it is somewhat mindless. There's a lot that you can think about, but it's one of these things that you don't have yeah. to go in there and, okay, I got to pay attention to this or that, or what did I miss or anything like that? It's just nonstop yeah. hilarity. And, and to be honest with you, so I saw the show probably no less than two dozen times in New York when it was on Broadway Damn. during its run. Um, now, this was back in the day when, as a student, you could see a show for 10 to 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, so the student ID and standing room only, any of those options were within the 10 to $20 range. And I maximized my Broadway exposure in that kind of, in that time frame. So, so many shows that I saw so many times because it was less expensive to do that than almost to go to the movies. Um, and I would rather see that. And that's where a lot of my, you know, ex- almost experience in training and just watching it. Every show I look at as a masterclass, it's like, okay, I'm watching Broadway actors. This is the best that it gets on stage. What are they doing? Why did they do that? Why did they look that way? Um, you know, but I saw this show and thought it was so funny and saw it over and over and over again. But this was also one of those shows to me that comes along every few years that you can say, hey, you... You're my good friend, my brother, whoever, that's a non-theater person. You have to come see this. And when they sit down and they walk out of there and they're like, oh, my God, that was amazing. That was hilarious. It was a two-hour sitcom with music. It, that is like, okay, great. Yeah. And it's actually true. I, brought, I have an older brother who's an attorney. And he brought his – their law firm every year does some little outing. He brought his entire law firm to see you're in town on Broadway and every single person absolutely loved it. And I was like, that, that to me speaks to the, the writing. It speaks to everything about the show um, and how well it can be done. Right. That anyone can enjoy it. It doesn't have, you don't have to be a musicals person. You just have to be someone who wants to laugh and enjoys, you know, music, but that's it. That the the humor of the show really does range because there are those like poop and pee jokes, which personally I will always be a fan of. Nothing's funnier than a poop joke or a fart joke or you know whatever. That's and I'll I'll go to my deathbed saying that. Um, but there's also those like moments of like especially for honestly I think like Claire and Anthony and uh, Billy who plays Officer Lockstock. I think you guys have the much more highbrow comedy jokes. <laughs> that come from this show because everyone else is just a little bit we'll say eccentric i think to put it politely yeah but it's yeah. and i'll, I'll <laughs> let them talk about it a little bit more but you're you're absolutely right and that's one thing that i've said to both of them uh and to billy as well throughout this process is that the the writing is so good and it doesn't take 
an actor's actor to interpret it and deliver it. It literally needs to just be delivered almost very matter-of-factly where you could hand the script to someone who's on the side of the street and say, read this line for me. And the way they would read it is the way the joke was intended to be delivered because it's not delivering a joke. It's just the line that is just funny. And it's commentary on whatever the rest of the scene is happening. Um, You know, you you can't put too much into it. And I think with this show, people try to do too much with it. And then you lose half of the humor. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I just love about the writing about the show. But I mean, Claire and Anthony can obviously comment because they get to say all the stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, you can go, no, you go, Anthony. Oh, that's, oh, no, we are all, we all have our moments. Um, I, I think that's what was like the hard thing, like coming into it. It's like, for me, it was hard to like navigate of like, okay, what the, this guy really cares about it. But then it's like almost about like what's happening, but then it like takes it over the edge and then it becomes not funny. And then it's like missing the point where it's just like, no, this is what is being said. Like, I don't like, I'm moving on. Like this is how I'm saying it, go. Um, but then when, if you're like thinking too much into it and you're like, well, he ha- like he has to have a heart. He has a heart. He's a human being. As I heard in the show, everyone has a heart. <laughs> But I think that for me, it was just hard to say it that matter of fact, I wanted to bring like so much emotion into it. And then having that conversation with Rob, you were just like, not like, just like, go for it. Just say it like, as a matter of fact. And the more that I started doing that, the funnier some of the lines became. Um, And it was then it would just happen with like those quick back and forth where it was it became a more real conversation and humor instead of it being like a musical theater show. Which is funny because it's a musical theater show that comments on music theater, but you can't do it in like a music theater style. It has to almost be the opposite of it, which is what Mm -hmm. then makes it so funny to me, I think. Yeah, I think that's like the challenge of it specifically, which you wouldn't necessarily think like from an outside uh, perspective, but like Bobby, for example, Anthony's character, like you're such a, um, like the archetypical, like musical theater, romantic lead trope, you know, and so it's like, how do you not play into that, you know, it becomes a challenge. Um, And I think with little Sally too, which is my character, like, she's kind of, I would say like the audience perspective character. So like I, you know, kind of get to comment on, you know, more the nature of uh, the musical and like kind of the philosophy behind like why we're doing, like, why are we on stage? Why are we doing this right now? Is there a fourth wall, you know? Um, And I kind of get to talk directly to the audience. And so I think in that sense, like it becomes a little bit, um, you know, for, for me, I can kind of play into the like narrator aspect of it. So, you know, it's less, um, it's a little easier for me to keep it dry because, you know, I feel like little Sally can kind of like, she can do the little orphan Annie thing, but then she's also the narrator. So, you know, I I feel like all these characters have to walk like a fine line between, Mm -hmm. 
you know, how much we're, we're playing into these, you know, um, you know, parodies of, of theater and these references, you know, yeah. versus like keeping it, you know, um, real, which is, you know, what Rex would have wanted, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the artifice of performance yeah. and, <laughs> there is that no there you're right there is that like fine line that you can cross and it will take the show one of two ways like mm-hmm. where it's like you know when you have a certain character like uh, bobby it's i think it's the easiest one um in that i also experienced this 15 16 some years ago and i was bobby at one point in my ingenue days bye <laughs> Um, but I did the same thing. Like I was like trying to play the joke and I was like, you know, eventually the director very much like you guys just talked about, it was like, just, just do it. And you know what you come to realize like, oh, like Bobby is like this, the straight character. Like he's the one, (laughs) you know what I mean? Whereas like his lines are so ridiculous, but it's like when you do it just like so realistically and honestly, so much humor comes out of that because even like when, um this came up i was like i think i would have more fun being being one of like the poor people because they're so off the wall and eccentric and insane and there's so much to you know what i mean like i i truly did find like when whenever it happened um those little like nuances and things like really mattered which by the way for people that are coming to see the show anthony fucking masters so cheers to you oh, thank you You're welcome it, no, it's it. It was definitely a uh, everyone kind of leading me, um, and being able to watch everyone on stage and how they move and how they're delivering stuff. It was definitely a big help, like seeing Claire and Billy interact, seeing like um, Victoria and how she's delivering the line, and how uh, like how fantastic Courtney is, um, in everything that she is doing. It's definitely like I'm able to watch just like great people doing great work and then being able to take that and be like, okay, I see what is happening. How can then I take my own experiences and create my own character so that I'm matching what they are doing. It's a challenge because, you know, yeah. But when you, when you're in a principal role, you know, any of us at any point in time, when you, you get the script and you're like, okay, now what do I have to do? What do I have to do? But this, the principles, especially the two of you and Billy, um, and, and I would argue Courtney as well, and then even Stefan as well. It's like mm-hmm. you have to take the thought out of it. Mm-hmm. There, you can't because the second you start to think too much is when it all goes out the window. It's really just really read the words and understand yeah. what that line is saying and what it's intended to say and let the line do the work um, and, you know, remove the majority of the physicality. It's one of those things where, you know, and I've been, you know, telling everybody, it's like, you gotta, you can't do the actors emoting thing. Mm-hmm. You can't do certain things because being grounded and being almost stoic physically is what, this character demands in order for the lines to work to make this show as funny as it should be because i really feel that when people do this show you know on a scale from zero to 100 i feel like the majority of times people do this show it's like 75 80 percent they're getting it but it's because they're not really hammering on details and they're missing so much comedy yeah. um and the thing is the comedy's right there in front of them 
but a line that gets said with like emotional intent is not funny. But when it's just said matter of factly, like all of a sudden it becomes really funny. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I love about this show. And that's what I absolutely love about show. And so funny little side note, this was going to be the first show in our first season. That was the plan. So after we did Rent in 2013, we were like, let's do a season. It's going to be you're in town. It's going to be um, Glengarry, Glen Ross, and it's going to be Hair. And we were performing at the Garden Civic Center in Greensburg. It was the only place that we had um, to, to go at that time. But Seton Hill, we were going to do this in June. Um, and Seton Hill closed their, seized their school year with it in like May. And it was just, and people in that area will go to Seton Hill and see their performances and everything like that. So it was like, we just, we can't do it. We had a cat, we were people that we knew could do the show and we were going to do it, but we put it on the back burner. And it's funny, here we are 10 years later now finally doing it. Yeah. Thrilled. <laughs> we we, we kind of started to talk about characters a little bit. So let's just dive in. Um, to uh, because we have Anthony and Claire here, and myself, the lead. Um, let's just talk a little bit about like just give us a little synopsis of who your character is, how they play into the story of the show. Um, without again giving too much away. Um, do I get my then, union five at this point, or do I have to yes, stay on to make sure that yes. they're talking the right? Please, please go enjoy your <laughs> equity cut. Um, <laughs> um, but uh. Yeah, give give us a little background and then how much alike or unalike you are to your character. And then I will do the same at the end because I am a narcissist. Claire, <laughs> you can go first. Okay. Um, well, so I play little Sally. Um, she is um, a nebulously aged child. Um, <laughs> um, she, it's interesting, um, to me because, you know, like I kind of touched on before, she, I feel like is the audience, um, perspective character. So she kind of says the things that, um, you know, the audience might be thinking in terms of like, you know, calling out some of these tropes and like why, um, you know, we're doing the things that we're doing here. Um, but then she also kind of parody, parodies, like, you know, the, the children in musicals that are kind of like, you know, supposed to give you hope, like at the end of the show, you know, like, um, you know, in Little Orphan Annie and things like that. And, you know, so it's interesting to kind of play with that dichotomy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I like, I relate to her precociousness you know and her um kind of dry like um questioning of reality i guess um but she definitely has a childlike wonderment that um is a little harder to come by at this you know stage in my life but you know it's still there a bit but you know she's very like uh you know focused on love and the heart of the show and you know she wants there to be a happy ending and there's you know there's life you know doesn't necessarily always have happy endings and you know so it's interesting i think she kind of learns that over the course of the show um yeah 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 
Yeah. <clears throat> Anthony, Mr. Bobby Strong. Uh, I play Bobby Strong, um, who works as a custodian at one of the urinal amenities for people to use. Um, and I think that they say that it's actually what, like the filthiest one, um, or like the poorest one that we were in the poorest part of town. Um, and he's seeing everything around him. And at the beginning, um, is kind of just accepting it. And then, um, once he's, once he starts to see more and more stuff happening, um, to the people around him starts to realize that maybe something needs to change um, and be that voice for the people who are afraid to stand up or don't have the means to stand up uh, to, you know, the man. Um, But he's like, whatever, like I'm going to do it because I care for, I think that thinking about it, I think that yes, he has like, his mom and dad, but everyone in that community is his family. He knows all of them. I think that if they were having a picnic, everyone would be invited. Um, Cause they're just all, they're just all family. Um, so I think the more that he sees what's happening around him, the more he's like, well, this isn't right. What do we have to do to change this? Who's with me? And um, being that leader um, for change. Um, and I think how I connect to this character is, for myself, I like working in education. I see a lot of things that aren't fair sometimes with the, uh, a lot of the students that I work with. And um, having worked in education for almost ten years, standing up for what these children need and should have—it's their right. Um, so I think I I feel that like we are the same and like, I see this injustice, I'm standing up for it. I'm gonna call it out, who's with me? Like, that's how I feel like I connect to him. That's it. Damn. How do you connect to Officer Barrel, Caleb? (laughs) Oh, well, you know, as the central character, of the show. Falling in love with with a cop. (laughs) (laughs) That's really about it. No, I I think like I went on to like when I when I posed this question, I was like, man, what do they even like? How do they describe Officer Barrel? <laughs> and wait, where is it? I have it written down. Oh, uh, thuggish and aggressive, and a, a thuggish and aggressive policeman. <laughs> Which I was I like, yeah. so sick of this typecasting. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, uh, Officer Barrel. He's he's a henchman. He's quite literally like. Um, uh, did you guys ever see Rockadoodle? Excuse me. <laughs> no. All right, we'll try something else. Um, you know, Little Mermaid. He's a flotsam and jetsam to an Ursula. You know what okay. I mean? He's. But I highly recommend Rockadoodle for anyone who hasn't seen. Is that like the show they do at Kennywood and like Thomastown? No, it's a musical from like Don Bluth about a rooster that crows to bring the sun up, but this evil owl tries to kill him because he they like the night. Mm. Constant struggle. Not too dissimilar from your intent, right? It's the rich and the poor. So, 
Honestly, if there, was, if there was one movie to parody or to coexist with you're in town, it's Rockadoodle. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to change my plans for this this evening. <laughs> Instead of celebrating. Is that birthday, available on Netflix? Where does one find Rockadoodle? YouTube. Caleb has the a VHS tape. I have the, the, <laughs> the anniversary Blu-ray. <laughs> the anniversary uh, Blu-ray yep. version. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um. But uh. No. He's 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 the henchman. He just is this sort of quirky little little slime ball that shows up every now and then. Um. And that's literally the only thing I say is that he's a thuggish and aggressive policeman. Um. And so he he's like the the, the cleanup guy. The um. The the go. You know go take care of this, go take care of that kind of person. Um, and that's how he is on the page. And our version, he's a little bit different. <laughs> he's got some, he's got some quirks and some, uh, you know, deep seated, uh, emotional lusts for other characters that I don't want to give anything away. Um, but I think I, that's actually one of the things that I love about our version. That's the only way that I really do relate is that, and that's uh, to, bring it back to like split stages that I got the chance to sort of just explore this idea of like, well, what could this person be? Because on the page, there's not really a whole lot going on other than the very end when he has his little dialogue thing. And you, the three of us know what I'm talking about, but you know, again, don't want to give away the punchline. Um, But throughout the entire show, you know, there's this sort of idea of him just being a little bit obsessive and uh, what's a good way to put it. It's a good word. Who knows? Cookie crazy. So cookie crazy. This character is, you know, okay. Um, but I'll tell you what, one thing I will say is that, you know, the, the the direction that you have taken this character in our production, it where most probably wouldn't, most productions wouldn't see an officer barrel go that way. I confidently feel that what you're doing falls within the comedic, like, you know, barrier of this show. So it works so well yeah. that, you know, it's because you, you know where the, the lines are and you're staying yeah. within the lines of the show. Right. You know, maybe not of the role, but that doesn't matter because as long as it's still within the lines of the show, right. Then, exactly. And it works with the comedy. Then I, I don't, I'm all about, all I want people to do is sit there and laugh for over two hours. That's yeah, that's man. what I care about with this show. So the show is not supposed <laughs> yeah. to have this, you know, warm hearted message at the end of it. You know, it, yeah. that, that's not what this is. You know, no. it's one of those ones, just come in, enjoy yourself, have fun and walk out and be like, that was great. I don't yeah. know what it was, but it was fun. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to see what we're talking about, come see the fucking show. The okay. Lamb Theater, February 2nd through 3rd, 8 through 10. Um, so let's just talk about a little bit about sort of like the significance of this show. Um, and how it sort of ties into not necessarily pop culture, but sort of the pop culture of music theater um, based on, and I guess actually I'll just like start with this is like, why do you, th- why do you guys think that shows like you're in town and everything that we've talked about so far with its tone, the themes that it, that it covers the, the humor, the different sort of quirky, <laughs> quirky, crazy characters, you know, um, that was my Celine Dion impression for everyone who doesn't know. Oh, so yeah, that's what it was. I know, I know you guys knew, but you know. Um, but what you is, said what you it, can edit things out, right? Yeah, that'll be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shall we go for it? Um, 
But why do you think shows like You're in Town are important to do or just to exist in general? I mean, I, I think that, you know, in the musical theater canon, there are so many different subcategories of things that, you know, make people feel and make people, you know, there's, it's all about kind of connecting. And I think that sometimes you just need entertainment and, and that's that, you know, and this genre, I think needs that. I think this is one of those shows that doesn't. Now, granted, you have to tie on things that mean things to people and resonate with people um, throughout the course of that two hours. But again, the satirical kind of element of it is what some people just need to go and laugh about every and anything and ways that it relates to them, you know, now, even though the show was written 20 plus years ago. So this show to me is one of those, just enjoy yourself. You're allowed to just go and sit back and smile and laugh and have a good time. You know, you yeah. don't have to dive into overanalyzing what I'm seeing or what I'm doing. And, you know, that to me is we kind of get hit with a lot of that, I think, in today's day and age with everything that's going on. And it's like, you know, well, did you know about this? Or did you hear about this? Or what are your thoughts on this? Or what are your thoughts on that? And it's like, you know what? I don't want to have a thought. I want to just go and sit back and just enjoy people doing something that they love and mm -hmm. they're incredibly talented and they're making me laugh. Mm -hmm. So that for me, that's what this show is. And that's where it yeah. was like, you know what? When we were doing this one, I was like, you know what? Because I, I don't, I try not to get overly involved outside of producing shows for Split Stage, especially after our first few years. But I was like, you know what? I, I love this show so much. I think I really get the humor. I think sometimes people miss it. So I was like, you know what, Nate? I'm going to direct this one. And I just want to have fun. And I just want to make sure that people are going to have fun and that we can make a lot of people laugh because that's yeah. what this show is about. So that's it okay. for me. I don't entirely yeah. disagree with that. <laughs> that really kind of answered the question. So uh, good on you, Rob. Um, <laughs> there we go. Check that one off the list. Um, so one of the things I think that I that is important to talk about because I don't really see it being done a whole lot now with new work, at least like big, like big new work that we all would be like aware of, like stuff on Broadway, like bigger name type stuff, is that you're in town is in itself a satire. And I feel like and and granted, this also could be just my Un unawareness of the things that are happening in the world, but like, I don't really know a whole lot of shows like you're in town that exist out there when it comes to this level of wit and sort of tongue in cheek satire type comedy. Um, and I think it's because a lot of people don't understand satire not to, you know, put that upon the world, <laughs> but I feel like shows like this, I mean, even though like I, I have it up here, I mean, this show is a three time Tony award winner for, it was nominated for nine and it won three for best book, best original score and best direction. Those are three, pretty, those are three pretty big awards. You know, like that's the book and the score. I feel huge. Are, those are recognitions that live on 
with mm-hmm. the show because they're identified with the show forever. Mm-hmm. You know, the production or best Tony or best musical goes to it, who else are you up against? What paid more money? What's in a bigger theater? What has a bigger budget? Like right. to me, that doesn't necessarily mean as much, but a book and a score, those are things that those are, are going to, yeah. that that's what you license for years and years to come. Right. Um, but why, why would you guys, if you had to, venture a guess would you say that it's sort of difficult for shows like this or for audiences to sort of understand shows like this i literally just saw a cat (laughs) (laughs) is that what that was sorry (laughs) that was my favorite part about this episode so far (laughs) I knew she would make an appearance, but it was only a matter of time. Yeah. Good question. What was my question? Oh, why do you guys think that um, shows like this or audiences have a hard time understanding shows like this? Um, Or why shows like this maybe maybe might not do so well, or audiences have a hard time understanding shows like this or getting it, understanding the... Go ahead. I think it's what we said earlier. It's that people are trying to put too much into it and not just letting it be what it is and then when it's not funny people are like well i don't even understand what that was yeah they sounded great when they were singing but like they said it was funny i didn't really get it Mm -hmm. um that's just me the lack of understanding how to deliver Mm -hmm. the material Yeah. And I mean, I think it also goes back to like at the beginning of the episode when we were all kind of, you know, speaking to how difficult it kind of is to uh, fully describe the show in a way that does it justice. Um, And so, you know, I think it's, it's, there is something for everyone, but not everyone is going to have the context to understand all the things that are going on. And so, yeah, I, you know, if it's not delivered, um, you know, kind of, if, if you play too much into these tropes, you know, um, then, then it becomes that there's, there's, um, it becomes un- so unspecific that, you know, it, it could be for, it could be about anything. Um, if that made any sense? No, it. Does. I, I I agree. I think like let's say like take you're in town for you're in town for example. If 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 you if you're going into you're in town and you're looking for, if you don't pick up on anything other than the, like the poop and pee jokes, like you might laugh a couple of times, and you will <laughs> laugh a couple of times, and you'll you'll probably enjoy the music and the and the songs, but you'll be like, what was that? <laughs> you know, because there's right. more than just that. There's a little bit of 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 every type of comedy sort of peppered throughout the entire show. And I think you have to be able to pick up on those types of things to be able to fully appreciate it in it in its entirety, which again comes back to what you know Anthony and Rob were talking about earlier. Like it really comes down to how well the the lines and the then the humor are delivered as opposed to just sort of going so big and over the top where like you're only focusing on poop and pee jokes which are funny but it's the show is so much more than that you're almost doing the audience a disservice if that's what you focus on and i think that people 
productions sometimes have a tendency to do that. And mm-hmm. I think they miss. I think the majority of the humor is in the simplicity of of mm-hmm. the line delivery. I really do. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the kind of more slapsticky type of moments, like they're gonna happen and they're gonna get laughs. Yeah. You know, some of the dance, you know, some of the choreography numbers and stuff like that are like big, and you're like, what what's happening? But there's comedy within that too, and that's all you know, fun to see. Um, and that's entertaining. But when you can be consistently entertained and on the edge of your seat, listening to what everyone is saying, because you know that's where more humor is coming from. Um, right. you know, I think there's there's something in that right there. Right. Um, but Caleb, to be honest with you, I think this kind of goes back to another show that's not too dissimilar. I mean, it's so it's not the same, but it's not too dissimilar. It's a show that you and I both love that is, you know, a very small little engine that's chugging along on Broadway right now. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Kimberly Akimbo. Kimberly Akimbo. I mean, when you sit there and you're like, I don't really know what to go in, what to expect. And you're like, what is this bizarre story about? But it is hilarious. And it's just almost in the absurdity of some of the things that they're saying, you know, so I think that this show is yeah. similar to that. It's, you know, 20 years removed, yep. but it's a, that show, seeing that show was a breath of fresh air because everything else, don't get me wrong. Some like it hot and all these other ones, these big pomp and circumstance yeah. musicals, everyone loves to go. And that's where yeah. everyone's going. And that's why that show is in the 2,500 seat theater and Kimberly Akimbo is in the 1100 seat theater. Yeah. But that thankfully, because that's what sustains it in it that small theater, it. but yeah. it is so good. And at the end of it, you're like, that was amazing. It was funny. The music was fantastic. And at yep. the end of it, I just, that was just a great two and a half hours. in the theater. Right. Yeah. You know, I feel, so I feel the same way. Yeah. About that show as I do about this one. Right. And you know what? That's like the kind of thing. It won the Tony Award. It it, it has it has a claim throughout like the entire theater world and it's closing because eventually those shows stop selling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what maybe happened with You're in Town too, is that it eventually just stopped selling because it wasn't this big flashy even though ours is, it's perfect. Come see it. Well, and um, that's the same how thing. Long, how long did you're in town run for? Go ahead. Sorry. That's the same thing that happened uh, with Avenue Q, right? It was up against Wicked for Best Musical and didn't Avenue Q won, but then ended up closing and, you know, did come back, but... Wicked's still going. Me, still going. She's flying high. Yeah, I mean, some things appeal to the masses, and that's why it's written that way, and some things are more... a little bit more obscure, you could call it. Mm -hmm. Let's focus on something else, but I mean, Avenue Q again, has a life of its own. I mean, it ran on Broadway mm-hmm. for a while, but then it ran, you know, it toured and then ran off Broadway yeah. forever. And it belongs in a smaller house, mm-hmm. you know? And it, I mean, for whoever's listening, I mean, Nate and I have been talking for years about if we were, if and when we repeat a show, what is it going to be? And we both go back to Avenue Q and Heartbeat mm-hmm. because it was, one, again, it was the first one in the first season and nobody knew who split stage was nobody. And I mean, we were doing Groupons and we were doing whatever we could and we put people in the house and people loved every single second of it. And yeah. I'll tell you, so for, for Claire and, and Caleb, Mike Stoddard played Princeton and Rod and Shut was up. epic, epic. I have a video I can share it with you, but incredible. And like, the show was fantastic. 
fantastic, but no one knew who we were. And that was 10 years ago. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I would love to just, you know, maybe for our 10th season, we just pick two or three random shows from our past and we put those up in honor of 10 seasons. And that's the first one, because I especially think that the lamp audience and in that space, I think it would kill. I think yeah. it would kill. And I love, love, love that show. But that's another one where the line delivery, all of it is just has to be the right way. And it just rolls people over in their seats. Yeah. How this is sort of my like final question, just because I think it's interesting. Um, and I have a previous episode on this exact topic of cult musicals because they're different, they are obscure, they are go listen to my episode and I explain all about it. I don't remember I don't know what season it is. I don't know what episode it is, but it's called Drink the Musical Kool-Aid, I believe because I was making a joke about cults and maybe that was inappropriate, but whatever. Um, how close do you guys feel that you're in town comes to cult musical? If at all, usually cult musicals don't have Tony awards, but you know, normally cult musicals like open and close, like quick four days. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Carrie, another one that we produced. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Uh, but someone else got Claire, take it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the humor does fall into like what, you know, these cult musicals kind of thrive uh, for um, and have in common. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it might be like slightly too mainstream to technically be considered a cult musical. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like my university did it, mm-hmm. right? So it's like to me, it's like if if it's being pro- produced by like you know college programs and things like that, then I feel like ugh, I don't know if that's like a I don't know. I'm just like saying this off the top of my head. I don't know if that's like a good baseline, <laughs> no. but um, but you know, I just feel like it might be like slightly too mainstream. But again, I do feel like it is possible that it does have a cult following because it is so like. You know, because it is a satire, because it does have so mm-hmm. many musical references and things like that. So I feel like there is probably like a sect of like theater person that is like that's their favorite musical. They love it. So I feel like it it probably does kind of ride the line. I I would say. Um, I don't know that I could necessarily categorize it as an official either. Almost, yeah. yeah. Like honorable mention. it's in that gray area between main for me between mainstream and cult you know and for me i think like it's weird if you look at a lot of different cult musicals they tend to be musicals or shows or whatever that didn't survive didn't do well in their initial offering or in a a revival Mm -hmm. you know uh, they didn't last well however there's something really good about them Maybe not everything. Maybe it's a really, really strong score or it's a really, really good book or it's a really cool concept that wasn't fully fleshed out, but people, you know, bid onto it for something. But that's kind of what's kept it going. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you still don't see them necessarily revived on mainstream, on Broadway or the West End or things like that um, all that often. But there's something obviously about it that keeps people coming back to it over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. Um, Yeah. 
you know, you're in town. I feel like it doesn't get produced at a high school level, literally, as the the line in the show states, it's because the title's so awful. You know, it's one of these things that are like, you got to go to a high school superintendent or principal and be like, it's literally a show about P. And they were like, okay, they're high school because you're like, oh, P, 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 you know. But at, in a college level, it's like, okay, it's really not that funny, like P jokes, but the show is really good and we like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at like, you know, an amateur level or semi-professional level, um, it's just a really good show. So mm-hmm. people, I think, if they want to put you know, things on their season that really kind of mix, mix it up. This is a great show to have on a season because it, mm-hmm. it's not a beauty and the beast. It's not a, uh, you know, flopsam and jepsam little mermaid. It's not a scoundrel doodle or whatever that show is. It's all of, about, but... <laughs> all of them. All of them in one. <laughs> you know, it's definitely different. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I'd call it a cult musical. But also, I don't know that it's, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's in that, that unknown space between really mainstream and, and cult, but it's so good. And maybe you're right. Maybe the Tonys keep it out of the cult category, but the fact that it's about piss keeps it out of the mainstream category. Like, yeah. <laughs> Tough to say. Who's to say? Who's yeah. to say? We are. Um, no, because I, I, I am one of those people that my high school was supposed to do it. And we got the rights, we did everything, and then the school board shut it down because of the title alone. They did they hadn't read it. There was no way they had. There was absolutely no way they had. Um, and they were like, oh, it's just immoral. They didn't want to put it on the marquee, like in front of our high school. They were like, we can't put that out there. That's embarrassing. We won't do it. They were like, there's and whereas like I do think like Urinetown has these like sort of like unique themes that actually shed light on real world issues and and things like that and they were like no we're not gonna do that but they hadn't read it so we did a funny thing happen on the way to the forum which has no moral no nothing they're prostitutes that's worse <laughs> no, that's what i was like but they were like oh, steven sondheim let's do it oh and we were God. that was like a joke that we just shared throughout the entire time we did that show that we were like there's literally a line in that show it's like what is the moral there is no moral <laughs> that's like the, you know what it, i mean it, but like um it, it, it's funny you say that too, because Chris McAllister, so our, our music director, yeah, as a music director, um, working at what I think it was his high school, and then at another high school that he was hired at over the course, you know, of time in the past, you know, maybe I think it was ten years or so, he has proposed that show and been in that same situation. Maybe he taught at your school, I don't know, but um, he has been staring it at in the face twice. And has been shut down. And literally, they were like, well, you know, the content, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I understand that. There's literally a line in the show that calls that out. But that's not yeah. what it's about. And he's, it's been turned down and turned down. And so this time, he's like, I'm finally going to get to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. I, I, I think that if, if you're in town had the fan following that other cult musicals do, I think it would be closer. But because no one does it, mm. um, I think that's what maybe like keeps it out. To me, that's what it always is. Like, I'm, I'm just like, no, I don't know any other company in Pittsburgh since I've moved here, which was 2017, has done urine town in a vicinity. Like, even like outside, like, even like greater Pittsburgh area, I really don't. Now, granted, there was a point when I moved here where I didn't pay attention. So, Six, 62 <laughs> actually did it a few years. 62 did it a few years ago. Oh, thank you. <laughs> when you said 62, I was like, in the year of 62 that was <laughs> 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 Ooh, it's been a minute 
Yeah. Um, um, I didn't see it. I'm sure it was great. Um, but I'll take our team any day. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on about you're in town, about cult musicals, satire, your character, split stage productions, anything that we missed that you want to talk about? I think that it does work at a high school level. It um, does. no, I'm just kidding. It does not. Um, <laughs> Never all, mind. fuck me then. No, um, a school, a high school did it in my hometown when I was 16 years old and I auditioned for it. Um, and I did not get the part that I wanted and I was very upset. Um, and I ended Officer up seeing I wasn't even offered that, Both. you know, I went in for Bobby and they were like, Ooh, no, you don't go to the school. So we can't offer you that, but we can <laughs> offer you lock stock. And I was like, can't offer me. So I was like, okay, whatever. No, I'm not going to do it. And then I saw it and I was like, mm, maybe a good choice that I didn't do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. And then it gets even worse. Um, so I see it, whatever it happened. But then I was like, you know what? If it ever comes around again, I would love to do it. And now here's the the chance to do it. And I'm doing it. And then I tried to tell my mom to tell the director to go fuck himself for not seeing my full potential as a 16-year-old. She won't because he's a priest. But um Well then the director he's up to was no a good priest. anyway. He is. Um but so many questions. Huh? So many questions. <laughs> Eerie's very weird. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. But yeah. So I, uh, you're right, Rob. It does not work at a high school level sometimes. Um, they also tried to have like 74 people in the cast, which I think is also why it failed. Um, as do it has to, it has to be that small, small, intimate cast. And, yeah. you know, yeah, I think that it does a really great job of giving everyone that chance to really showcase like what they can do especially in our cast i think everyone has that moment where they're funny they're singing something that they sound amazing in um they're dancing i don't know how they're doing half the moves i just sit in the back and like thank god you're doing it and i'm not (laughs) (laughs) well and that's the one thing too that i love i mean keeping the cast small I think is it, it plays into the show. So it's like everyone is a poor person. And then in the next scene, they're all like, you know, rich or a part of the staff. And like, I think that's like, you have to embrace that. And it was, it was the other day I was, you know, blocking or we're trying to work one of those scenes where it was like, everyone is coming on from all these different directions. And it's like, okay, we don't have that space. And I'm trying to make it make sense logically. And then I'm yeah. like, stop. This is a musical that's almost kind of poking fun at musicals. Have people enter from every and anywhere and just create musical theater chaos. Cause that's what the show really is. And the more you overthink it and try and make it make sense, you know, the things that I tell you guys not to do, I was almost doing myself and I was like, wow, Rob, practice what you preach. Um, and then I was like, okay, great. Just come from there. It doesn't matter. Where, but I went right. over there. It doesn't matter. Just come over here. And if anyone is sitting in the Do audience it. being like, well, how did they leave there and then come on over here? That's not the, I want you to get up and leave with you. <laughs> yeah. You're free honestly, to go. <laughs> yeah. Stop looking that closely. Theater <laughs> magic, exactly. baby. Yeah. Right. So I think it's great where these, uh, you know, our ensemble is super, super strong and they, you would find them as principles, you know, in tons of different places and for us as well, but they're mm-hmm. doing so much and kind of 
you know, playing so many different roles and switching back and forth. But I think that's also a part of it too. It's like, all right, I just saw that person doing this and now they're there, but we're not really hiding it. But no. instead we're just putting a jacket on them. It's like, right. okay, great. And then the jacket comes off <laughs> yeah. and boom, they're back in the other character. Yeah, exactly. You got to buy it. You got to buy it. Yeah. It's all part of the Suspension show. Suspension of disbelief. You know, right. Yeah. Um, anything else from anyone? Claire? Come see pee jokes at the Lamp Theater. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. Please, 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 please come and support local theater, especially the local theater of, you know, Westmoreland County. Uh, Split City Productions, You're in Town, the Lamp Theater, February 2nd and 3rd at 8 p.m., February 8th, 9th, and 10th at 8 p.m. at the Lamp Theater in Irwin, PA. Tickets will be available right now they're available right this very moment so if you're listening yes. to this just go get them right this second mm-hmm. with the link uh-huh. that's in the bio because i don't know the actual website name lamp so, just go to lamptheater.org lamptheater.org we're there we're on the homepage. i think i could have just um, lied to everyone that's fine but... there'll be a i'll have a link in the episode notes that you can just click on it'll take you right to the page you buy the ticket you come see it um super affordable there's no bad seat in that entire house come see the show it's a fantastic show we're all really great i'm not biased but um yes and then definitely follow uh split stage productions on instagram on facebook keep up to date with all of um their their goings on um and what's coming up um my gosh what else do i have to say about anything that we've talked about did I miss anything? Did I catch everything? I'll I'll tag uh, everyone in this episode with their social medias in case you want to follow any of us. Um, but outside of that, unless any of my guests can think of something I missed, no. If you are a fan of Making a Martini, please like and subscribe and share with all of your friends. Please, for the love of God, I know it's the last season, but for, if I could make a dollar. You know, that's one dollar I didn't have yesterday. <laughs> um, like, re- uh, leave a review, give a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you have it. Um, and Making Martini is an Instacart affiliate, which if you are not a current member of Instacart and you sign up with a link in our episode notes, you will get a free delivery on your first order over $30. Um, we have the... Uh, podcast support link of buy me a coffee which you can go in and just make a donation to the podcast itself which let's be honest you're not buying me a coffee you're buying me a martini i just like to be transparent because i'm a good person um (laughs) so you can donate there um also you can donate to our uh podcast charities which is uh, broadway cares equity fights aids which there's a link to in that it's a great uh cause where you can donate to uh, research to um, act- actors and uh, other people in the union in need that are um, going through any sort of struggle or strife. And um, what's the last one that I need to talk about? That might be it because I'm not up for anything right now. <laughs> you would think by now that I would have this down to a science, but I don't because so many things change throughout the year that I have to start plugging in at the very end, but it's fine. Um, and I think that's it that's all i have to say thank you guys so much to claire to rob to anthony please come see us in you're in town we're fantastic <laughs> just so you know i mean but i'll be you there are. you'll be there yeah 
Yes, we'll all be there. <laughs> Please ask for Rob. You can go and introduce yourself and say, I listened to your podcast and it was great. That's it. And he'll give me the feedback. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, this has been Making a Martini Up Dry and Straight to the Point. Cheers. How do I stop recording? <laughs>